Well, this is kind of weird or weird, weirdly, weirdly, I don't know, but there's people in the room and you're looking at me. It's not used to this anymore. Um, we are going to continue our series on, on intermission, um, the prison letters of Paul, and uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians today. And so, um, Cindy Harvey, it's good to see you haven't changed. Walked in right on time. It was, it was beautiful. Does she do that every week at home? Just, just wanders in halfway through. Okay. Well, it's good to have you guys back. Book of Colossians, if you have your Bible, open it up there. We have some things in common with the Colossian people. The Colossian people had never met the Apostle Paul. Paul had never met the Colossian people. He had heard about them. And I really think, and this might freak you out a little bit, I think he heard about them much like he's heard about Whitestone Church. Because if you read the book of Hebrews in the 12th chapter, it talks about us being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are kind of in a heavenly balcony cheering us on. I believe that the saints of old are aware. They are that cloud of witnesses And I believe the Apostle Paul is in that cloud, and he wrote to these people, much like he's writing to you and to me today. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. He was writing them for a very specific purpose. He was writing them so that they wouldn't be taken captive by wrong thinking. You know, there's a lot of wrong thinking in the world today. And it's called common sense. It's called political correctness. It's called whatever agenda someone might be promoting that runs contrary to the truth of the gospel. Those people were around then. Those people are around now. And Paul was writing this letter because he didn't want these believers to believe wrongly, to just start believing whatever the world was saying at the moment. Graduates, in the room today, you are going to have opportunity after opportunity to decide what are you going to believe? What are you going to put your hope in? What are you going to pursue? What's going to be important to you? We talked a couple of weeks ago about building our our lives on a foundation of faith. Guys, no one's going to build that house for you. Mom and dad can't do it. They've tried. It's going to be up to you more and more to make those decisions for yourself We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. And I pray that this speaks to some some students, some parents, to some people that just need to be reminded who Jesus is. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, and this is what the Word says. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. For all endurance... And patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father. And listen. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. In whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him 
and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Pray with me. God, I pray you bless the reading of your word, that you would open up some, uh, some of its wisdom, some of its treasures to us. Let us see it for what it is and see you for what you are and see ourselves in relationship to you. And may we not walk away different. May there be one just nugget of truth that we can hang on to as we leave this place that changes the way we live our tomorrow, the way we live our today, the way we look ourselves in the mirror. Remind us what you've done for us. That's my prayer. Amen. All right, I just have three points. Because, you know, this cyber world, they don't listen for very long, I hear. It's like Brock says, dude, if you talk for more than like 20 minutes, they don't listen. I'm thinking, they don't listen to the first 20 either. But shorter is definitely better. So I'm trying to do that. So just three points. This is the first one. And it's all about hope. Okay? First point is this. We don't just have hope for what is to come. We do. We do have hope for what is to come, but we don't just have hope because of heaven. We have hope because of what has already been accomplished. Did you you hear what I said? You don't just have hope for the future. You don't just have hope because one day maybe you don't have to wear a mask and maybe you can go to a movie. You don't have to have hope just because maybe one day barbershops will all be open again, your nail salons, you won't need appointments, you just walk in. All those things might happen in the future, but that's not why you have hope. You have hope because of what Christ has already accomplished for you. It's right here in verse 12. Look at, look at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. And look at the tense of all these verbs, okay? Who ha- has qualified you. Has qualified you. Not is qualifying you. Has qualified you for what? For inheritance. Anybody have those fantasies, you know, the rich relative you don't know you have? One day you're just going to, the envelope's going to show up, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't think any of those are in my family tree. Hopefully it'll work out better for you, okay? But he has qualified you for an inheritance, people. What is that inheritance? You're already qualified. You're already delivered. He says he has delivered you from the domain of darkness. Guys, if you are in Christ... If you have come to know him, that battle is over. Do you understand that? Yeah, the, the, the little battlefields, they're still kind of raging, but the war's already won, right? He's already qualified you. He's already delivered you. He's already transferred you into his kingdom. You're already there. You're already qualified, already delivered, already transferred. You're already redeemed. He's... he's It says that in whom we have redemption. Present tense. You have it right now. He has already redeemed you from the pit. He has already, like, anybody remember those stamps that you used to collect? Some of them were yellow, or I mean, some of them were pink and some of them were green, and you could fill up the book and then you could take it to the store. 
and you could buy the toolbox with the little saw. That's what I always picked out. It's a little, 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 anybody know what I'm talking about? Those stamps were worthless until you redeemed them. And then it was a toolbox, Mike Hamlin. Guys, you guys were all just a bunch of random stamps. Not worth anything until he redeemed you and you've already been redeemed. Guys, that is your hope. You're qualified, delivered, transferred, redeemed, and forgiven. You are forgiven, Colby. You're forgiven, brother. I don't know what you did, but it had to be something awful, right? To be that good looking, you must have some sin in your closet. (laughs) Forgiven is a state of being because of what he already accomplished for you. And yeah, we still mess up and we still need to go to him and we need to say, I'm sorry, but it's not because he's forgiven you again. You were forgiven people. Live that way. Guys, that is our hope. That's your hope because you are qualified, delivered, transferred, redeemed, and forgiven. And because of that, what's coming in the future can't be taken away from you. That is really good news. See, these are all facts. If you're in Christ now, if you don't know Jesus, if you're still living for yourself, and you haven't accepted the grace that he gave you when he died for you, then you're you're none of those things. But once you've accepted that, and that could be today, you are all of those things forever. That is your hope. These are facts about our current reality. I can stand before you a broken, and you know me, a broken and messed up man and say, I am redeemed by the blood of Christ today. I'm never going to be more redeemed than I am right now. I'm never going to be more forgiven. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is your hope. And it has nothing to do with your current circumstance. It doesn't have anything to do with the trajectory that maybe your life has been on recently. Some, there's some people in this room that probably feel like I've been circling the drain ever since this whole corona thing came out. You know? Those circumstances, yeah, they're real, but that's not where your hope is. We don't just have hope for what is to come. We have hope because of what has already been accomplished. This is the gospel, and it changes everything. Second thing is this. this. This kind of hope that I'm talking about, this hope about the reality of who we are in Christ, I believe Paul is teaching us here that this is the source from which all the other aspects of your Christian life, they're going to come. They're going to spring from your hope. What do you mean, Mark? I mean, that sounds like there, that could be a lot of... Isn't that the answer to that supposed to be Jesus? Well, I already told you, Jesus is, the, he is our hope, right? Have you ever tried to convince a hopeless person to have hope. I mean, is there any more difficult conversation to have with someone than to try to convince them to be hopeful when they have no hope? Because when you have no hope, you have no love. You have no passion. You don't have, have no empathy. You don't have the gumption to get up and do Why would you? You don't have any hope, right? I think that's why depression is such a crippling disease. Just crippling because it takes away our hope. And our hope shouldn't be in a place where it can be taken away. That hope is the source from which all this other stuff flows. Let me tell you why I think this. If we go up to verses 3 through 5 in the same passage, Colossians 1, 3 through 5, in the, in the NIV translation, I love the way it reads. This is what it says. Paul's talking about three things. He talks about these a lot. 
They might sound familiar to you. Faith, hope, and what? Faith, what? Hope, what? Okay, love, faith, hope. See, I, I switched it up. Still the same thing, right? He talked about them a lot. A few examples. Starts off the book of Colossians. NIV translation says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have, one, heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, two, and the love you have for the saints, verse five, the faith and love that spring from hope. The faith and love that spring from hope that is stored up for you in heaven. See, the first time Paul wrote about faith, hope, and love was about 10 years earlier. He wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, it seems like he starts all his letters like this. He talks about faith, hope, and love. And he says this in 1 Thessalonians 3. He talks about work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope. Faith, hope, and love. He started 10 years of ministry talking about faith, hope, and love. He wrote the book of Colossians about 10 years later. Towards the end of his journey, he's probably a few years from from the end of the road, and he's still talking about faith, hope, and love, but he's talking about them a little differently. Because, see, they all matter, right? They all matter. They're all important. But in different seasons of our lives, well, Paul emphasized one more than the others. Why am I saying this? Well, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Anybody familiar? Anybody? 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Talks all these things about what love is. And then at the end of it, he says, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. And he says, without love, I'm like a clanging gong. Like I'm just a bunch of noise. No matter what I do, I can surrender my body to the flames, give everything away. But without love, I'm nothing. But then, about the same time he wrote that, he also wrote Galatians 5, where he says the only thing that matters is what? Faith. Expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. And so both of those things are true. But then, fast forward about six years, he's in prison. He's been in prison. He was in prison in, uh, where was he in prison at first? I've done for, before he got to Rome, was it Caesarea? Where was it? Somebody. You have Bibles? Do you listen when I say things? Anyway, he was in prison for two years before he ever got on a ship, got shipwrecked, ended up in Rome, okay? He's writing to a group of people he doesn't even know, and he's writing to them about hope. And in this season of his life, when he's isolated, kind of like you're isolated now, He's wanting to remind them, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Because the hope that you have, based on what Christ has already done for you, that's the spring, that's the source for all your love and all your faith. And practically everything else he's calling us to do, if we lose sight of hope, the hope we have in Christ, then we are going to become those people. Do you know the people I'm talking about? Church people who are just mad, they believe the Bible and they're angry about it, they, they're surly, they want to argue about things. Guys, that's what hopelessness does in us. 
But do you know that one person in your life that's always hopeful? Think about their face right now. Don't look at me. Come on, look, think, think bigger. Do you, do you have a face in your mind? That person that you, you can't wait to be around them because they're always hopeful. Be that person. Why can't we be that person? There's too much pressure on that person to always be that for us. How about we start being that for someone else? See, that hope that doesn't waver with circumstance, that's a biblical hope. That's the hope it's talking about in Hebrews chapter 10 when it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering because he who made the promise is faithful. Not because things are going great, not because life is easy, not because I'm getting what what I want. No, the one who promised is faithful. And so that's where our hope should be. 2 Corinthians, Paul tells them, hey, I don't care what you're going through right now. These light and momentary, it's nothing compared to the glory that you're going to see one day if we just hang on to that hope. See, I believe hope is really important. I believe more kids should be named Hope now. Okay? I reopened the Hope book. You can name your children Hope. I was thinking the other day that Linus is a name that's not used very often anymore. Just a thought. All right. Number three, are you ready for this one? And then I'm done. This is the third one. The third thing I'd say is this. Jesus is bigger than any circumstance. Always has been. Always will be. Not going to change. Doesn't matter what the news says. We've given so much Publicity, so much airtime, so much ink, so much social media, so much energy, so much fear to COVID-19. I think it's time for Jesus to get some airtime. I think the church needs to be reminded that the head of the church is still Jesus. Paul says some huge things right here. This Jesus, the one who, who's, who's over this kingdom that we've been ushered into, he's the image of the invisible God. He is what God looks like. How can you be the image of something that's invisible? You look like Jesus. There's different translations that say he's the exact representation of his being. All the fullness of God dwelling in Jesus. By him, all things were created. All things, April, all of them. The good things, the bad things, the ugly things, even diseases. He is the creator. He's in control of all of it. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to like it. And it might cause us to suffer. But all things in heaven, all things on earth, created by him, for him, and through him. Guys, that gives me confidence. That there's nothing that's big, bad, and ugly out there that's going to surprise him because he didn't create it. And if he created it, he's in control over it. If he created it, he's sovereign over it. If there's one thing he's not sovereign over, guess what, people? He's not sovereign. Hope says he's the creator. I mean, he, it says here that he is preeminent. Anybody use that word in your house ever? Every, t- every once in a while, Angie makes me tell her that. Baby, you're just preeminent in this home. 
It's not a word we use because it applies to none of us. It means supremely, supremely excellent beyond all measure. In all things, Christ is preeminent and he doesn't need your approval to be so. Just because we don't give him thought doesn't change him at all. Do you realize that? These people that walk around that I don't need Jesus. I don't, want, I don't want to be you. I don't want to be you one day when you realize how wrong you really are. Let me give you an example. In this passage, it says something really interesting in verse 17. Y'all ready for one more thing? I mean, really, what else do you have to do today? Let's be honest. Verse 17 says that in him all things hold together. I was reading about this, and there's some interesting stuff about this stuff. I was reading in John Corson's commentary, and I, and I came across this little tidbit. Any quantum physics, physicists in here? Who was going to, somebody was, that's, is that the same thing as cybersecurity? No, it's different. Okay. Anyway, it sounds impressive. I don't know what you're going to be doing with your life, but man, it sounds scary. Hope you never meet up with special forces guy over here. Um, also scary. John Corson said this. There's a, there's a law of physics called Coulomb, Coulomb's law of electricity. And it's just, you've, you've seen this at work. Anybody get, ever got magnets? You take the positive end of magnets and you try to push them together and what happens? They repel. And if you do it the other way, they, they attract. Okay, so, so like things repel, opposites attract. Okay, but there's a great mystery here. Because if you, if you look inside the nucleus of an atom, if you look inside the nucleus of an atom, protons are packed together and they're all positively charged. So in the center of this atom, this is why the atom bomb is so explosive, right? When they figured out how to split the atom, you realize you can destroy the world. But scientists still really don't know what holds that atom together. It doesn't make any sense. Now, you can take quantum physics and you can see all kinds of hypotheses and theories and all these things, but literally, it's still a mystery. But the scripture says right here that Jesus literally holds all things together. And you know what? The scripture also says that one day he's going to let it go. He's holding it. One day he's going to let it go. Mark, are you making that up? That sounds kind of scary. Well, Peter evidently thought so. 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done on it will be burned up. Guys, one day, when he's creating this new heaven and earth, he's just going to let go. And it's all going to go. And only the stuff that's kingdom stuff is going to remain. That's scary, right? That's like one of those cartoons they used to make you watch during the Cold War where you wanted to hide under the table. You know, because the Russians were launching that bomb any minute, right? Jesus is literally holding the world together. It says all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. Like every star in the expanse of the universe, there's room for those in Jesus. I would like to thank my, my, my good friend, Jake King. I like to call him the boy wonder. If you've heard him play guitar and sing, you know what I'm talking about. But Jake King, I preached not too long ago when we still had people in the room, and, and he, he came up to me and said, hey, you need, to, you need to check out Louis Giglio. 
uh, and, and write this word down. It's, it's, the word is, is laminin. Okay, so now I want all you to get your phones out, okay? The ones of you who don't already have your phones out, I really do want you to get your phones out, okay? And I want you to Google, because I'm not going to preach this, because you can watch Louis Giglio preach it. But he's talking about this, this, cell, this cell adhesion molecule. He was talking to a biophysicist who, who, who said, you need to check out lanolin. Laminin. L-A-M-I-N-I-N. 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 Say that when you're washing your hands over and over again. L-A-M-I-N-I-N. Lamb in in. And then click images and see what it looks like. It's a cell adhesion molecule. It's, it's a protein that keeps your body from self-combusting. And it's shaped like the cross. And it's literally what holds us together. Guys, he is preeminent. He is a big deal. He literally is holding you together right now. I want to close this morning by reading that passage from the message translation. This is, I'm going to start in in verses 15 through 20 because I think there's three things I want you to take away today. I want want you to, to remember that what he's already done for you is where your hope should come from. And that hope, if you lose it, it's going to be really hard to live the life that you're called to live. And you can live that life because this is who Jesus is. Verse 15 from the Message Translation. We look at this Son and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below and visible, invisible, rank after rank after rank of the angels. Everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and He holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church... He organizes and He holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, He's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is He, so roomy that everything of God's universe, everything of God finds its proper place in Him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe people and things, animals, atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of His death, His blood that poured down from the cross. Pray with me. That's who you are, Jesus. We, we want to make much of you and we, we can't even get our arms around the smallest part of you without your grace. The fact that you the one we just read about, the one we just talked about, the one that made all this possible, would want relationship with me is amazing. The fact that you just patiently watch us ignore you and ignore kingdom things to to try to build our own little kingdoms. God, 
For that, I'm sorry. I pray that we would all be sorry. But not to the point of just being, feeling guilty, but being motivated by love out of gratitude to hold on to the hope that you died on Calvary to give us. Because in that one moment, on that tree, on that rainy Friday, you qualified us. You delivered us. You transferred us. You redeemed us. You forgave us. We should be able to find some hopeful living in that kind of message. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.